Today is a fantastic day, and I'm sitting here smiling with a gigantic grin on my face because I get to talk to somebody I've wanted to talk to for two years when I first saw her at an I Can Do It conference in Vegas, intuitive counselor and life strategist, Colette Barron-Reed. How are you, Colette? Oh, I'm so happy to be here, I, and I'm so, and today is 11, it's one eleven eleven. I know, that's so yeah. freaky. What does that Isn't mean? Isn't it cool? What does that I mean? I know, it's very exciting. So 2011, this year, today, being on your show, it's all good. It's all good. I love that. Ones mean new beginnings to me and and let's start a really good life. And we're going to talk a little bit about all of your books. And you've got a new book coming out called The Map, which, you know, is about charting your life and looking back and looking ahead. So we'll get to that in a minute. I was hoping that you could tell people a little bit about where you came from, because I I like the fact that you sort of Uh believe that we are all intuitive, but where does that come from? And how did you know that you were first an intuitive? You talk a little bit about it in your book, Message from Spirit, because that's the book that really took me over the edge. I love, love, love Uh that book. So tell us a little bit about that. Um, So I think, you know, I always like to say hindsight is 2020 because I'll I'll just give you my idea about this. Um, I believe that all human beings are intuitive. It's, a, it's just another faculty that we all have. It's an aptitude that we have because we are, we are spiritual beings having a human experience. Now, when I say that, I, I want to get it out of the context of religion. We, I believe that we are all stewarding the spark of the divine matrix or divine intelligence or whatever you want to call it. We, are, we have a spark within us that we steward you know, we, we carry it forward, and that wants to express itself through us. And so we have the human intellect, which is the uh, analytical mind, but we have access to a bigger mind, and that is the mind that we share, so, or we could say shared consciousness. And so every single one of us has this ability to know what is unseen or unspoken. Mm-hmm. In my case, and many people who find themselves working in this field, I was born, uh, I guess, you know, I think I was really born to this because my mom, uh, the first experience that I had was called retrocognition. And retrocognition is a form of an intuitive faculty that allows you to know things about someone's past. Because retro, meaning looking behind. Mm-hmm. And so by the time, when I was around three, between the ages of three and five, I had a recurring dream. And it was a nightmare. And I was dreaming of an old skinny man that looked like a skeleton, but very, very thin, who was being pushed into a burning oven. It looked like an oven because it looked, it, 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 it was my child mind, right? I, I recognized it as something that, like, you would bake, right? Mm-hmm. And um, then I saw the same man sitting at a table crying, looking at little gold nuggets. Now, I had already lost teeth at that point, so I knew that these were teeth, right? Okay. So I saw teeth piled up. Now, then I saw clouds of ash, and anyway, I'll, I'll make a long story bearable. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was raised, you know, to believe that my, we're, we, were, we were a certain way. We went to an Anglican church. I went to Catholic school when I was uh, in grade three, but predominantly we were raised as Christians. But the image that I saw was a Holocaust image. Oh. My mother was from Berlin. We were raised Christians, but she was really Jewish, but we didn't know until our 20s. So my mother told me what the dream meant 20 years later. Wow. When, after, when my mom had too much to drink, and she was in a very, <laughs> yeah. And then it was like, you know, you must be Jewish. And then literally when my dad died, she refused to let me wear my cross. 
because it was sort of like the last-ditch effort for her to grab her true identity. So, so there's a really interesting thing. So um, as, as I got older, um, you know, I, I had – I just knew stuff all the time about people, and I felt my feelings overwhelmingly all the time. So I really felt just too much. And I've actually just taught a class um, for people who feel too much about empathy. So mm. I, I think my first experience outside of retrocognition was – an acute empathy for the world. Mm-hmm. And then I had flashes of insight. So, you know, it's, it, it's much commoner for most people when they're little children. And, and a lot of my clients and friends tell me their kids see things all the time or they did when they were kids. When mm-hmm. we don't have a filter, we don't really know that what we're picking up is weird or odd. Mm-hmm. Um, when it really hit home for me, um, um, two stories intertwine. One is that I I'm an alcoholic, and I'm sober 25 years, but I had uh, oh. issues with addiction, bulimia, anorexia. I had um, alcoholism from the time I was pretty much 12. I had my first blackout when I was 15. And, um, and we also, you know, there's a, there is a suspicion of child sexual abuse, not from my family, but um, a babysitter. Okay. So I had all these things that really, looking back on it, um, honed that need to be hypervigilant with my world. And anyone who has an abuse background, you will find that they are hypersensitive to the world and tend to be very psychic. Because So for me, it was a gang rape when I was 19. Mm. And uh, I left my body, just like an out-of-body experience, just like you hear about you know, near-death experiences. I left right. my body. I was able to connect with um, the narratives of some of the men that were... Um, uh, it, it violating me, and after the fact, after that, you know, it took till I was 27. I was 19 at the time, you know, which was a literal. After that, there was a real spiral. I, I couldn't cope with the fact that I could just tune into people easily, and um, it was very crazy making. But when I got sober, I was 27. I'm 52 now, and uh, that was when I really had a spiritual awakening, and uh, literally, the rest is history. Um, sorry, I, I talk too much. You can, you can ask no, me. No, you've got to understand, Colette, this is making perfect sense to me because the first time I heard a voice, I was five, and I'm a two-time kidney transplant recipient and a cancer survivor and several hip right. replacements and surgeries galore. And it, so my abuse in my child's mind was all of these things that were being done to me, even though exactly. it was out of a necessity to keep me alive, it still felt like that to me. And so that story that you're telling is 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 making sense to me now as to why um, all of this occurred. Now, I I just want people to understand, though, you do not have to have survived a rape or been an alcoholic or been through kidney transplants to be in touch with your your spiritual intuitive side, though. Right. Oh, gosh, no, not at all. And and just so you know, too, the, um, I used to. No, not at all. I mean, I you, you don't have to go through anything. I but. I do this for a living, and what I do is, I mean, I'm a medium, I'm an animal medium, I do <laughs> readings, I mean, I, it's what I do. It's, it's, right. I am my job, right? I became this, and so not everybody's going to want to do this, but all of us can develop this um, through various meditation techniques, etc. You don't have to have anything happen to you to be able to tune in, and as a matter of fact, it's part of our collective evolution right now is that all of us are starting to become more and more intuitive as the veils between the dimensions and even the different life forms become thinner now as we move into 2012 and beyond. 
Heck yeah, bring party. on 2012. That's what I say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we are already in that cusp. You know, this is a year, 2011 is a, is a year about getting grounded in our map, if you will, of the map of our reality. And that's why I wrote the book, The Map, because mm-hmm. it's, it really gives people a, an ability to detach from their emotional overwhelm and see their lives from a different perspective and bring the magic back into it. So all of us right now are looking at a much more, a year of, of concrete, pragmatic um, grounding. Right. And it doesn't have to be boring. I mean, it doesn't mean just because no. we're grounding ourselves, it has to be boring. This is this is about discovering new things. Now, uh, about the map, do we look back and then look forward? What What's the purpose here oh. with the map? Well, you can go anywhere. I mean... I think one of the things that people forget is that we have an evolving story. Whenever we're in, and, and, the re, and right now, a lot of people have been fearful. You know, everybody's like, oh, my God, Earth changes. Oh, my God, 2012. We're over-emotional about either fearing the future or regretting the past, right? So, and rarely are we able to be present in the moment, and that's just what's happening, right? So people are very reactive right now. And so... You know, if we look back into our story and we see it as a map of a journey, right? So we can say that we've been on an adventure. Like every hero's journey, it's an adventure story that begins and continues. The idea that we are in a continuous evolving story and a narrative that we can choose. Like, I can, we can rewrite the past by our viewpoint of it. One, I used to think I was a victim, and now I'm victorious over those things that I believe were gifts in strange wrapping paper, as my friend Dr. Darren Weissman says. So <laughs> looking into the past, you can find treasures. Now, you can always tell because you get invited back to the same landscape over and over again if you haven't found the treasure. So I give people in this book, The Map, um, a, a, a guideline, a frame, um, in, in the form of a map where they can unravel it and say, this is where I was, this is where I've been, this is where I am today, and this is where I'm heading. So that we see that, oh, yeah, this is an evolving journey, and I can make choices. I can even decide where I was, hmm. you know, because it has a different color. So in the moment when you learn and you excavate, you do dig into your life, and you dig into the different layers of what you believe about things, because the environments that I talk about in this book is about the environment that we inhabit. Our primary environment that we inhabit is our thoughts, feelings, beliefs, and intentions. That's where we live. We don't live in physical reality. Our minds are where we live 95% of the time. You, can, you and I could sit beside each other, and when we're thinking, we're in different places. So mm-hmm. it, it really helps people see where they are and then see where they've been and then say, oh, wow, I might have been somewhere else when I thought I was there. <laughs> so yeah. it really gives us yeah. real power to choose uh- our, our path. Absolutely. And the map is in bookstores on January 15th, but people can get it now through Amazon, right? Yeah, or they can do, or they can get them direct from us. But yeah, Amazon, I prefer people to get it from Amazon because we're really trying to hopefully get a New York Times bestseller. Heck yeah, um, let's do it. Let's help yeah, her out help with me, that. Help me, help <laughs> <laughs> One of, um, and actually this is a really good tool if someone is, is trying to work on their intuition as well as you have fantastic oh, yeah. oracle cards. And oh, my one of my, cards, yes, both oh, my favorite, Wisdom of the Hidden Realms, and it sits right by my bedside, and I absolutely love it. And by the way, the illustrator is phenomenal. These pictures, I want to frame them. I want to frame them, well, by the way. Jenna Della Grattaglia is my artist, and she and I have worked on a, another deck that's coming out that's uh, 
adjunct to the book, The Map. You should see these cards. They're unbelievable. So she is the most amazing artist. I met her. I found her on a website called Deviant Art and, um, and hired her for this deck. Uh, Hidden Realms, and we're and I've and she and I are are going to be doing a few more projects together because she's just she's able to translate my vision in such a way that I it's palpable. I just love her work. It so, is absolutely gorgeous. And the the cool thing about cards is I think sometimes people can overuse them, but I find them very handy. Here's my question to you. Yeah, I don't like when my cards are reversed. I like to keep all my cards going one way. Your deck. Wisdom of the Hidden Realms was the first deck that I decided I'm going to go ahead and shuffle them either way. And I'm still finding it very hard for one re- for some reason about having cards being upside down. Well, they're meant to be read challengers or allies, and they're very accurate if you notice that when they are upside down, <laughs> they tell you that you have to look a little more closely at your motives or what you can't see. And I don't think it's accurate for it. I mean, my Wisdom of Avalon cards were only meant to be read upright because I read, I, I created them that way. But okay. I, I felt that, you know, the reversed cards or reversed placement is gives a real true depiction of what's really going on. The, the Wisdom of the Hidden Realms is a very deep uh, deck that gets you to ask really important questions of yourself and does challenge you a little bit. And yet, if you notice, they're all supportive. Even the cards that are challengers or when they are reversed, they, they give you a support to take a look exactly. at the things that you might exactly. want to be in and I, about. I love that about them. And by the way, um, I would like to marry either the Hawk Prince or the Eagle King. Yeah, I know. Aren't they hot? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I saw them like, oh, hello. What is your name? I like the name? rainbow prince. Yeah. And, I, I like the rainbow prince. He's pretty hot. And the uh, desert uh, the desert prince is pretty hot. He is. You know, shirtless <laughs> works for me. I'm okay with that. Um, so I want to – how is your love life going? My love life? <laughs> yes. My – my love life is fabulous. I have, I have to say something, too, for anybody who's listening who has had difficulty with relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, I always say that to every pot there is a lid. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, uh, and it took a lot of work for me to be ready for the kind of partnership that I have today. I have a man who really respects himself mm-hmm. and who wasn't needy when I met him. You know, he was a fully resolved human being who had a life and who had, you know, had a really interesting life. He's brilliant. I mean, he's so creative. I mean, my husband's a genius. I mean, he's pretty amazing, and he's also gorgeous. But I have a friendship that I never thought that I would have ever. Like, I've never thought I could ever be in a situation where I felt that I couldn't live without somebody. And that's something that, you know, you don't want to ever be that vulnerable to say that. It's not that I'm even giving my power away to him, but we are a team. And so I wish everybody listening to this radio show that they know what it's like to have what I have, which is a fully trust, full trust in another human being and know that you can spend, you can get old with somebody. But it took me till I was 44 to meet him. You know, and that number struck a chord in me because I was reading your book two years ago when I was 42. And I, as soon as I came across that part, there was something that like, struck a chord inside of me about 44 and I'm now 44 and Uh I feel like it's time. I feel ready. I feel open. And so I'm hoping that there's a little bit of a, 
true to that. I just took the sacred union card out of my deck for you. What? You what? I just, listen, when you were talking. Yeah. I chose the sacred union card. (gasps) I'm getting goosebumps. (laughs) Yeah. Isn't that wild? Like, Yay! You can't make that so, up, okay, <laughs> that's good. I'm just okay. I'm a little giddy. Let me just bring the energy into yeah, a little point here, so I can well, move well, me, through this let, interview. May I? Can I read for you just like briefly? Do you mind, or am I allowed to do that on your show? Or it's like my dream come true. Okay, I'm calm okay. now. Go ahead, Colette. <laughs> <laughs> okay, where was the alcoholism? Is that in your family background? My father is uh, okay, 21 okay. years so, sober. Okay, so going backwards in time, the concept of trusting, your dad may be 21 years clean and sober, but for the first 21 years or 22 years of your life, you were influenced by somebody who was, who has, was an active alcoholic, right? Right. Okay, so there's a message that happens to us, um, every one of us, when we have sort of that, and there's this sense of that the wounded individual um, becomes what we expect. And so there's been an expectation, I feel, in your past, not now at all, but to choose men who were, I'd say, slightly broken. Would that be true? Uh, More than slightly. (laughs) Okay. I'm being nice. It's your radio show. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay, girl. Let me have it. (laughs) Okay. So I'm going to say that you have exhausted all the, I need to fix this, because you are a natural healer, it's why you are where you are. And I also think, too, the fact that you were sick when you were a little girl and then you had an alcoholic parent, it was, and your mom had to deal with that, too, so there was a lot of no talking in the family. I really do feel that there was a lot of, a lot of it, that you know, need for you to find your way and find a reflection of what you knew. So you, may not, you were never conscious of that. You, you kept trying to recreate and heal the thing that you could not heal. And so now that you are resolved, and I think your dad being sober has been a big deal. Yeah. And, uh, but also that I think, of, I think about four years ago, you hit a little bit of a bottom. Is this correct? Oh, yeah. <laughs> With men? Okay, so when you were about 39 or 40. So I'm going to say that that was the last soulmate that came in to kick you behind the knees to get you humble, to recognize that you cannot fix these, these men. You cannot you cannot be invited to heal someone. That is not love. You mutually heal in a relationship that, where you have the person that's done some work. And I, I definitely feel that you've done a lot of work. The rest of your life is very, I feel, very um, effervescent. You know, I, I have that real kind of bubbly sense of you that you really make a difference in people's lives. I'm seeing you writing a book. I'm seeing you doing all these different things that are creative and that are really going to impact people's lives. But this is the one area that at deep down there's a sense that, oh, my God, maybe I'm never going to meet anybody. And that's not true because it's not hard for you to meet man. It's mostly meeting the right man. So I believe that man is going to be coming in, because I, I, not just because I saw the Sacred Union card, but because you are now being very open uh, to yourself about the things that you've hidden from yourself, which is this kind of this part of yourself that you wanted to disown, that believed that the only way that you could get love is by earning it. Okay, you're like Barbara Walters because I'm crying now. So okay, <laughs> okay, seriously. So, so we're gonna. But listen, this, this is gonna, a common. This is common to a lot of us, you know. And and I think a lot of your listeners will identify with you. You know, you are an incredible survivor, and it's you know, and 
and it's true, and that there's this idea, this little part of yourself that is, I call the goblin, that we have to learn to love. The part of us that we want to disown, that we think is somehow, somehow deformed, because that's what we saw in our primary caregivers, right? That's, you were raised with that. You can't help it. It wasn't your dad's fault either. He also came from stuff, and same did your mom. So the storyline of the ancestors, you inherited an ancestral goblin. You can read about this in my new book. And you also have this, you know, very deeply rooted sense that you're going to be abandoned. And that is the thing that you have to trust that vulnerability, because you're not really vulnerable with broken men. You can always be the one that can, you can say, I'm coming to the rescue, ta-da, if I just love you enough, you will love me back, right? If I turn myself into a pretzel, you will want to eat me. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. This is this is um, just thank you so much for that. And I know that the listeners can also relate to that. I know I'm not the only one out there that felt like they, you know, had to accept all these wounded birds um, in their lives. So I am very, very grateful that hit right at the heart center for me. And you can find out more about Colette and about her book, The Map. She has a great website called ColetteBaronReed.com. And I really do like your website. Very easy to navigate. And I have just created that. I love it. Can you speak briefly about The One Who Knows? I absolutely loved that part of your website. What? The One Who Knows on my website? Yeah, there was a little video that you did, and there's an oh, old the woman. Yes, yes, and yes. You... I'm sorry. I'm like going, really? There was? Okay, that was last year. Yes. Well, <laughs> You've just got so many things. You're like, what part? But, yeah, just speak real briefly okay, on that. Okay, yes. Okay, so okay. the one who knows, um, I've actually, it was a character that I um, I created for my first couple of intensives, that, which the book, The Map, is based on, by the way, that there was an archetype within every one of us that is an old, wise woman that waits for us to identify with her. It's a divine feminine in every one of us. And she's fierce and she's, she's old as time and she's older than, our, than anything else in us that knows that we're whole. That there's, so, so in each one of us, there's a wise, ancient part of ourselves that knows that we're whole. And so the, the one who knows is our link to that. And she, now she re- helps us retrieve the lost fragments of ourselves that aren't really lost because she saves them. But in the book... I created two characters to represent the one. And so I decided to make them twin sisters. So the one who knows is now twin sisters, um, is now depicted as twin sisters. One is called the Bone Collector, which is based on an old Hispanic fairy tale called La Loba of an ancient woman who collects the bones of wolves and then sings them back to life. And so she, she represents the part of us that can retrieve the fragments. And then the gentle gardener, who's her twin sister, who ensures the integrity of our intentions. Because both are true. So rather than have the one character, the one who knows, which is true, it's two years old, that video, I have oh. now created two characters to represent her that we can have a relationship with. These archetypes live within us. So that there is something in us that ensures that what we think, feel, and believe will be aligned with truth in the outer reality. And, that, and there is a part of us that is looking after the parts we think that we have lost when we are wounded. So everybody, I believe that everyone has a goblin that gets born out of a wound. Well, the first time you're wounded, you either inherit one from your parents. I inherited my mom's. And then I got another one, you know, the, the, each time that I, I interpreted that I was less than or less than whole. 
And so these goblins remind us, that's what their job is. They remind us of that wound in a false way of trying to protect us, but that's what it is. It's the voice of the wound. So during the time that we're wounded, a part of us we think is lost. We lose our innocence. We might lose our self-confidence, our, our trust, etc. But where does that go? It has to go somewhere when we lose something, given that energy cannot ever be created or destroyed. So I've created a mythic character who collects these things and waits for us to retrieve them on the island of broken dreams. And so the book teaches us, it gives us a, a bridge to these magical realms, um, and it's creative. I mean, really, it's storytelling. It's creative storytelling. And it, it is so, it's really impactful that we can reconnect to the parts of ourselves that are lost. And that was what The One Who Knows was meant for. Oh, I, I love that. I love it. Everybody, you, um, you've got to get the map. I mean, I'm, okay. I'm so excited that it comes out this week, but you can go to ColetteBaronRead.com. She's got all her books and her oracle cards there, plus different seminars and places that you can see Colette. And, uh, having seen her in person, I guarantee you will have, uh, a fantastic life altering time. And thank you, Colette, so much for being here and sharing everything you know. And for the reading, I'm just flabbergasted. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Oh, thank you so much. And thanks, everybody, for choosing to be positive now.